Hey, good morning, Redemption City Church. Pastor Stephen here. I know I speak for both my wife and I when I say that we will be missing you today. I have been preaching at a conference in Kansas all weekend, uh, and so we will be missing you today. But here's what I know about the preaching of God's word. The power does not reside in the man. It resides in the spirit of God through the word of God. So I am so happy to be able to introduce to you Randall Davis. Randall and his family moved to South South Bend from Wisconsin back in July to join the work here that we're doing at Redemption City Church. Here's what I know about Randall and here's what I know about Angel, his wonderful wife. They love the Lord Jesus Christ and they love his church, which is you. So open your Bibles and let us worship God through the preaching of his word, the King of Kings, the one who remains on the throne, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Randall, come. Let's open up God's word together. I know Stephen's watching to make sure that I don't butcher the text this morning. And so uh, thank you, Stephen, for that kind word, man. And um, it's a joy to be up here. And yes, I did move from Wisconsin. I was in Kenosha. And some of you might know Kenosha just off the the news and how much chaos. I feel like we got out there right on time. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning and worshiping you with you this morning. And uh, it's been an encouragement, you know. Uh, you guys have been praying for me and uh, sending prayers, coming by, visiting, dropping stuff off. And you guys have welcomed us to South Bend. And, you know, I've never ever seen myself in a place like, like South Bend. It's very interesting, um, but it's lovely. We're, you know, Notre Dame's campus. And, you know, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I'm going to grow into a Notre Dame fan. Um, they did win last night, though. Yeah. I fell asleep at the third quarter. I, mean, I was a little tired, man. I'm like, you know what, man? I got to preach in the morning, man. They hope they win. I know Stephen was jumping up and down, you know. So, um, but yeah, man, we had an important week, you know. Um, before, before I say that, um, I wanted to make sure I recognize my wife. Uh, she's not here. She was here first service. If you guys, you didn't, you know, you missed first service. It was a, it was a joy. My kids were here. Uh, I've been married six years. I mean, ten years, six kids. Ten years, six kids. Well, we're busy. We're busy, man. And um, my, I met my wife uh, at a ministry on the west side of Chicago, and um, I was trying to holler at her for a long time, and she was saying no. She, she wasn't going. I can say the story because she's not here. But uh, I was really trying, y'all, and I thought my game was strong. <laughs> my game was very weak, clearly, uh, because she's like, no, I'm not. You're a great guy, but I don't see you as my husband. And, uh, and then I remember when she was finally being obedient to what the Lord had told her to do. <laughs> we got six kids. <laughs> so, you know, but no, no, Angel's great, man. She... She encourages me, man. She is the pillar in our home, you know. She keeps me on, on target, man, and she prays for me. You know, last night she was praying for me like, Lord, God, she was rubbing my head. I was like, yes, I need this, love. And so she was really with me, man, last night, man. And so my wife, she, she, if, it was, you know, if it's not for her, man, we won't be running the Davis household. The Lord has really blessed me with an angel. Her name is Angel. He blessed me with an angel. And she's a beast, man, and she does things, you know, that I can't even imagine. You know, so, all right, anyway, we're going to jump right in. We had a very important week, as you guys know it. And uh, just a, re a reminder for us, 
I wanted to highlight a couple of things, and somebody sent me this, and I thought it was great to share in the morning. But the church says, after the election is over, we can still guarantee these results. God will still be on his throne. Jesus will still be king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible will still have all the answers to every problem. The tomb will still be empty. Jesus will still be the only way to heaven. Prayer will still work. It will still make a difference, and God will still answer prayer. The cross, not the government, will still be our salvation. There will still be room at the cross. Jesus will still save anyone who places their faith and trust in him. And the last one, God will still be with us always. He will never leave us or forsake us. I don't know what side you're on, and, um, but I do understand that this um, was an important week, but I wanted to remind us, you know, of that. God is still in control no matter what. And so that, that blessed me, man, and I hope that it blesses you, um, you know, because I don't really deal with politics like that, but I wanted to make sure, like, hey, let's, as Christians, this is where we stand. And so um, let's just ride with that. Let's ride with that. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and open this up in prayer, and we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, verses 2 through 8, uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8, and um, meet me there right after I pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to wake up this morning and experience another day of your grace and your mercy. Lord, you're in control of all things, and you've given us a word this morning, and I pray, Lord, you open our eyes and our ears, Lord, and uh, allow this to be fuel for our week. So remove me and show yourself strong, Lord, as we listen to your word together. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Open up your Bibles, take out your devices, and let's, and let's go. Reads, I'll be reading from the ESV as well. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. James challenges us here, lets us know that God wants to strengthen our faith here. We're going to go through some things. I'm reminded of a story about an eagle. There's an interesting reality about eagles that can apply great insight to our spiritual lives if we let it. When a mama eagle first builds her nest for her baby, she makes it comfortable. It is full of all the things the baby needs to want to stay there. She feeds it, she warms it, and she nurtures it. But when it comes time for the baby eagle to fly, the mama eagle will begin to pull away all the comfortable pieces out of the nest, bit by bit, removing and exposing the growing eagle 
to a less, here it is, ideal environment. Things begin to poke and prude and annoy the young eagle. Eventually, after all the soft things have been taken away, thus creating irritation, the mama eagle pushes the baby eagle out of the nest altogether, giving an opportunity for the eagle to do what it was created to do, which was fly. James is going to point out some things here that we're going to go through some stuff. Trials in particular, and they don't feel good. You're going to hear that quite a bit today. They are unpleasant and not nice. However, there's a method to the madness that we're going through. And I love what it says here. And the purpose here, God's purpose is never to destroy us, but to prove to us the truth about ourselves. God allows us to go through testings. He says, count it all joy when, not if, but when, indicating that trials will come if you choose to follow Christ. Emphasis on when, because when you plan on growing as a Christian, you best to believe there's going to be some trials coming your way. I'm 6'4", as you can see. And as a kid, about five or six years old, my mother told me, she says, the doctor told you that you're going to be 6'4", and I'm excited. I'm thinking about all the stuff I can do at 6'4". I can dunk on people. I can, you know, be the tallest in the room, very intimidating presence, and I might even go pro at something. Those things didn't happen. But I was excited about it. But what they didn't tell me was all the pain I was going to have to go through to be 6'4". I remember my mother driving in the car and not be, all the tall people can, you know, relate with me right now. I know, like, hey, that stuff don't feel good at all. And so as I'm riding in the back seat and my mom's like, what is going on with him? And I'm moving and shaking and I'm going through all these things and I'm trying to bear this pain and my knees are hurting. Ma, can you pull over? She was like, no, I don't know what's going on with you, but you better stretch your legs out across that seat. And I just couldn't understand what was going on. We got my knees checked and See if I have water in my knees, all kind of stuff. However, we just kind of barreled it down to, hey, those are growing pains. In order to get the 6'4 that you're so much excited to be, you're going to have to go through some pain. There's going to be some pain involved here. But James says, count it all joy when you go through the pain. And I love the word count here. The count here means, it's like a financial term, and it means to evaluate, meaning that You need to evaluate the trials that you're going to. Don't count them as something else that's going on. I'll say a different way. Don't count it as this is a punishment that the Lord is doing to you, or you're counting it for something else. Like, you know what? I've been messing up all week long, and the Lord is clearly dealing with me. No, James is saying, count it all joy. Remember, he's writing to tribes who have been persecuted, and they're scattered. And they don't know what's going on. They're like, I I don't know what's happening here, and I'm going through some stuff. How am I going to get out of here? James is going to walk us through. He's kind of giving us a roadmap in this text on how to deal with trials. So we're going to see that. Biblical definition of trial. When God brings us into a difficult situation, it is for the purpose to grow our faith. I'll read that again. When God brings us into a difficult situation, 
Not an easy one. It is for the purpose to grow our faith, emphasizing that we're going to go through some stuff. We don't know what it is. We don't know what direction it's coming from. But we know what's coming. We are to expect it if we want to grow as believers. And James kind of highlights here that how to prepare ourselves because we don't know what's coming or when it's coming, but be prepared because they're going to come. Which brings us to the next verse. What do they produce? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Some versions say endurance. But I'm going to give you the definition of both words here. Steadfastness is brought up here twice. Firmly fixed in place, immovable, not subject to change. Firm in belief, determination, or adherence. I'm reminded of how silversmiths used to test silver in a very unique way. What they would do was take the silver and they would put it inside of a pot. And they would heat the silver up until it gets to a certain temperature. And when it reaches that temperature, all the impurities would rise to the top. And what the silversmith would do, he would take all the impurities and the dross will have you. And he'll scoop it off and throw it to the side. And he'll repeat the process again. He'll heat up the silver in it. Lo and behold, the impurities and the dross would kind of rise up, and they would take that impurities and they would scoop it off into the side. And this would go on over and over and over again until the silversmith finally decided, let me see if this silver has been fully tested. And what he would do is take his face and look down at the silver, and he would see a reflection of himself. This is a perfect picture of us in our trials and what we're going through, what God wants to see from us. Eventually, as we go through trials and we count them as joy and we are walking through these things and we go through and we're growing and we're growing in our faith and God is looking at us and said, hey, I want to see a reflection of myself. It's not going to feel good. In fact, the word endurance here check this out. The fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or a situation. Here it is, without giving way. I'm going to pause here for a minute because if I break down the word uh, steadfast and do a word study, um, what you come up with is the Greek word hupomone. I'll say that again, hupomone. And what that breaks down into is that it breaks down to remain under. James is trying to highlight here that when you're going through a trial, do not navigate your way out of this thing. But you are to sit under that thing and remain because God is trying to purge you and do a process and create something at the end of this, this whatever it may be you're going through. So we are to sit there and allow this process to run and, 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 and check this out. Count it joy. How do we do that? Let's look in the Old Testament at a couple of people who put this to practice. We take Abraham. His devotion to God was tested when God asked him to offer his son, whom he loved, as a burnt offering sacrifice unto the Lord. Can you imagine the Lord telling you to take your child and offer him up at the sacrifice? I couldn't even imagine it. 
But not only does Abraham be obedient, but check this. He worships in the midst of his trial. You mean to tell me that God wants me to offer my son? Okay, I'm going to do it. But I'm also going to worship as well. And this blesses me because as I'm going through trials, as I'm trying to figure out what is happening here, what is the Lord trying to say to me? Am I only looking at the end result or am I worshiping in my trial? Are you worshiping in your trials? Are you taking some time to give glory to to God? Are you taking the Paul to say, you know what, Lord, thank you for this trial. I know that there's something coming. That's a hard place to be, man. That's a tough place to be. It's not easy. It's one thing to say, I love God above every earthly treasure, and another thing to prove it in the hour of testing. Like, hey, everything is going great. Hey, I love the Lord. I love the Lord, man. The Lord's been good to me, man. The Lord's been blessing me. Things are going well, and hallelujah, praise Jesus. But when things are going bad, are we still saying the same thing? Are we worshiping? Are we thanking the Lord for the trial? Let's look at another person. Job's faith was severely tested when Satan was allowed to strip him of everything. Having lost his fortune, his family, his friends, what does Job do? I love this. Job Job fell on his face and declared, naked I came into the world, and naked I shall go out. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We know Job's story. He loses everything. In the midst of losing everything, you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to count that joy? Absolutely. James says yes. The Lord wants to do something with you. I don't know where you are right now. That trial, that financial burden, the parental decisions, the pressures at work, tensions in the household. I don't know where you are. Are they causing you to lose faith? James says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. Count those joy. Don't don't get off of this thing. The Lord wants to do something with you. The Lord wants to use you. And it's very interesting here because when you get into a situation and you're like, Lord, give me some patience. Lord, I pray for patience and I pray for steadfastness. Are you praying? And you're like, oh, just give me those things and be careful what you ask for. Because in a sense, what you're saying is, Lord, give me a trial. It's not a gift that's just given to you. Oh, here's some patience. There you go, bow. No, here's a trial for you. Lord, I'm struggling in my marriage. I need some patience. Oh, here's a trial for you. I need patience for my children. Here's a trial for you. I I, I need patience at work, that coworker. I want to still on them. Punch them. You guys don't know what still on them means. Here's a trial for you. These things aren't just given to you. And if you look at it this way, if you evaluate the trials, 
You're going to see that the Lord wants to stretch you and use you. And your attitude towards those trials will be much different. Well, I know it's difficult, man. James is whooping us in this text. But what is James telling us to do when we face with these trials? You ask good questions on a Sunday morning. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. What does James say? Ask for wisdom. Why does James say ask for wisdom? These guys have been persecuted. They're running around frantic, most likely. James says, ask for wisdom, and it will be given to you generously. Interesting. Have you ever given anybody directions to your house or any place because you just know the area better than they do, and they just don't take those directions, and they end up being really late or get lost? Hey, man, I gave you the directions. I know that this is my hood. Like, you 20 minutes late, man. Yeah, I thought that because I saw. No, 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 you didn't listen. James has clearly been here. He's clearly been here before. He's clearly experienced answer prayer before. And he's telling them, hey, listen up. Ask for wisdom. But why wisdom? Wisdom helps you navigate understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. Do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs being a wisdom book. James says, ask for wisdom. I've been here. I know what it takes to get through these trials. Count it our joy. Evaluate. God wants to do something with you here. Endure them. Ask for wisdom. This is going to help you to gain some understanding. Let's keep going. James is not recommending this. He's firmly telling us to ask for wisdom. If you lack it, ask for it, and it will be given to you. And I love the surety in this. It's like James is not wavering in his thoughts. He's saying, you know what, asking it will be given to you. You know the place you got to be in? To be sure that the Lord is going to respond. That's why it's important to journal. I've been challenged, man. You know, I see my wife when I wake up in the morning at, you know, five or six because a little one might be up. And Angel, she's already on her knees beating me. I'm like, dang, man, she already beat me. She got her journal out. She writing stuff. And I'm like, man, she on it. Man, I got to get my game up. Um, but she's, she's on it. And she's journaling. And she's, you know, she challenges me. You know, journal, Randall. Like, some good things are happening. You should write. And I hate writing. Anybody hate writing? <laughs> That's me. But journaling, you know what journaling does? You get to look back. You get to see what the Lord has done. January, you're like, you know what, Lord? I need this. And, you know, I don't have it, but I need it. And the Lord bless you with that thing and write it down. January 15th, whatever it may be. And I need some, some healing for my mother or my father. And he, he honors that request. You know, write that thing down. Um, again, in March, you ask for something else or you 
ask for prayer for your friend to be just saved, whatever it may be, and they encounter Jesus. Uh, write that down. Um, what, what, what you're doing is you're kind of just creating just a, a, a reminder that God is in control and he is all-powerful, and there's no reason for us to waver in our faith. Wisdom navigates understanding here. James has given us his roadmap, man, on how to handle these trials. And I love the way he's doing it. He's not like going around and he's hit, he coming right out the gate. Count it all joy. A trial? That's tough to do. Think about where you are right now and think about something that you may, we all are going through it. And if you're not going through something now, believe me, it's coming. If you're going to continue to grow, a trial is coming. Praying for steadfastness. Praying for patience, asking for a trial. James has been here, and God wants to answer our prayers. But you have to what? You have to come correct. What's going to happen next here in this next couple of verses is James is really giving us the proper etiquette of prayer. How does James tell us to approach God? Let's read verse 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the winds. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James says, don't doubt. You're asking for wisdom. You're asking for different prayers. You're praying, and you're expecting the result, right? That's the goal. You're praying, and you're expecting God to move. What does James say? How do we approach this without doubting? That's tough, man. He's, he's telling us to pray without doubting. Definition, doubt, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. A feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Michael Pollan, he says it's the best. I'll pull this out of the book, The Magnificent Story. He brilliantly points out that we cannot doubt something without simultaneously trusting in something else. We cannot doubt something without simultaneously Trusting in something else. So what you're in, in theory doing is that you're praying to God and you're doubting at the same time. You're really saying, you know what, can you or can't you? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but you're trusting in maybe your own strength. You know what, maybe God, I pray for this thing, maybe God will do it, but just in case he doesn't, let me, let me go do some other things. And then you're back at square one because those things don't work. We've been there. We're waiting for God. We're trying to be patient. Lord, I need this. Please, please heal. Lord, please come through. But we have some doubt in our minds and our hearts. James says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh. Pray without doubting. You need to come correct. That is the incorrect way to approach prayer. In other words, James is instructing us and challenging us to say, 
He said, do, do you know who you're talking to? You ever tell somebody that? Do you know who you're talking to? I tell my kids that. Who are you talking to? The God who created the heavens and earth, you're doubting that God. The God who pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light, you're doubting that God. The God who restored your marriage, you're doubting that God. The God that allowed you to to be raised as as a man under a single parent household, you're doubting that God. You're doubting the God who provides for you and gives you a home and heat and all of those good things. You're doubting that God. Money in your pocket, you're doubting that God. Do you know who you're talking to? I read this, I'm like, man, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to come correct. Going back to that journal, you're seeing everything that the Lord has done. January 15th will be 19 years I'm saved. I'll be 37 years old, Lord willing, next Saturday. I've gone through some stuff, man. I've gone through some stuff. And I've seen the Lord move. I've seen the Lord do awesome things with Randall. I've seen it. I've seen the Lord do amazing things with me. And who am I to doubt God? Where are you this morning? Are you doubting? Look back and see what the Lord has done for you. James is telling you, don't come incorrect. You better know who you're talking to. What has the Lord done for you? Oh, he's done amazing things for you. I guarantee it. No one in here, breathing right now, can say the Lord has done nothing for me. We woke up this morning. He's done something for you. You ate breakfast? Done something for you. Small things. not always the big things. Celebrating the small victories as well. Wow. I'm reminded of a story in a small town of deep South Georgia. It was an agricultural company, I mean community, that was going through a devastating drought. It was devastating because they depended on the rain to keep their economy rolling. Then one Sunday morning, this pastor stands up and says, I am sick of Satan wreaking havoc on our community. So at 6 o'clock, Meet me back at church, and we're going to pray for some rain. This 95-degree day, no cloud in the sky, sun just shining down, and this small community, they come back to the church at 6 o'clock, and they're walking because it's a small town. Sure enough, Deacon Jones and Deacon Johnson come to the door, and they open up the door, and all of the members flooding in, walking in. Excited to pray for some rain on this hot day. And who do they see walking up the street? This old member, Mother Mary. She's walking down the street. Mother Mary has on her rain boots. Mother Mary has on her raincoat. Mother Mary has on her rain hat. Mother Mary has her umbrella. 
Deacon Jones and Deacon John to say, why are you dressed this way? Why are you dressed? There's no cloud in the sky. There's no, it's hot. I love her response. She says, I figure we're going to pray for some rain. I might as well come dressed for the rain. I don't know where you are this morning, but James is challenging us to come with an attitude of expectancy. We are coming in correct. Just like Mother Mary says, you know what, we're going to pray for some rain. I better come dressed for the rain. And in that story, I love it. They pray for rain, and it, lo and behold, the rain comes down outside. Whole church is high-fiving, saying hallelujah, screaming, yeah, yeah. Now, mind you, they all walk to church, and they're looking around like, it's still coming down. But the only person that was prepared to go home was Mother Mary because she came dressed for the rain. When you address the Lord, you better come dressed for the rain. You better come with the attitude of expectancy. You need to come with a mindset of the Lord has provided for me over and over again. He's going to do it again. You can't come and, and, and share a testimony of a doubting faith. Pastor Ford says it like this, the best. He said, when faith steps in, doubt steps out. Be challenged this morning, this week, whatever you're going through. Understand that the Lord is trying to do something with you. This trial is going to stretch you. Well, you don't know what the Lord is trying to do. I don't know. But pray for wisdom, as James says. <laughs> Ask for it, and it will be given to you. Pray with an attitude of expectancy. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for, for me to share this morning. Lord, I'm shaking in my shoes all week long. I got to preach on Sunday. But you remind me that I'm, I'm not the one speaking this morning. These are your words. Lord, help us all, including myself, to take these challenging words and to put them to practice this week, today. If we've been coming incorrect, Lord, we are soft. Please forgive us. We know you provided for us. You're still providing. We love you, Lord. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name.